Hey, everybody, and welcome to Spiel Chicago, the podcast exploring progressive and feminist work in Chicago theater. We are technically on a summer break, gearing up for season two in the fall, but I happen to get the chance to talk with three women about some really amazing work they're doing right now. So this episode just couldn't wait. Uh, we got together to talk about the Chicago Theater Marathon, this really unique festival of work that opens July 21st. And it just sort of sprawled into this expansive conversation about theater and representation. And it was really inspiring. And I had a great time. Um, anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode and that if you live in Chicago, you will go check out the Chicago Theater Marathon. I am here with three of the producers of the Chicago Theater Marathon. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Sure. Uh, my name is Cassandra Rose, and I am the artistic director. Hi, I'm Gabby Labotka. I am one of the lead programming curators. And I'm Anna Trackman. I'm the managing director. How did you find yourself in Chicago, Anna? Um, I have been here uh, in, in about 13 days. I will have been here for two years. I came here from Boston, where I lived for seven years. I think Chicago is, is awesome. It reminds me a lot of New York City, which is home for me. Um, has the same sort of giant, uh, you know, can't really walk anywhere, but all the neighborhoods feel really unique and interesting. And there's people that look like all different sizes and shapes and colors. And uh, I miss that a little bit in Boston. Gabby, how did you get to Chicago? Um, I'm I'm somewhat homegrown. Uh, I grew up in the southwest suburbs, about 45 minutes away from Chicago. When I was in high school, my theater and English teacher encouraged me to apply for the young adult Oh my god. <laughs> Young Adult Council at Steppenwolf. Um, yeah, so that was a really cool exposure to theater. Like, that is where um, I started to see how theater could be a possibility for my life. Like, I had decided that I wanted to be an artist since I was, since I could have thoughts and memories, but um, that was where I was shown that it could be a possibility, especially in the city. Uh, Cassandra, how do you find yourself in Chicago? Um, I'm from or originally uh, Rockford, Illinois, which is a couple hours away. Um, I came to Chicago. It'll be my 10-year anniversary on August 20th. I came originally uh, to get my BA in playwriting at uh, Columbia College Chicago in the South Loop. What, what? Um, <laughs> and I stayed because Chicago is the new play capital of the world. I would say universe, but I believe in life out there. Maybe some planet that does a lot of new plays, and that's just the only way that they communicate. Um, I was recently in D.C. and got ambushed by somebody being like, so describe Chicago theater for me. Um, and the only thing that I could think of is a quote from a very misogynistic man, but it's my favorite quote ever, which is, fuck it, we'll do it live. And I feel like that sums up a lot of <laughs> Chicago's aesthetic of just like, oh, we have a space that's open. Great, let's put something in it. Oh, that deli just closed and now it's an empty storefront. Let's put a theater in it. Oh, this park is empty for a couple hours. Let's go put some theater in it. And it's just a lot of people being like, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. Um, so that's also why the theater uh, festival that we're doing is a marathon. That's also like, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this, let's push this even further. Let's run to people that are on the sidelines right now and pull them onto the track. Thank you guys for coming by, especially so close to opening, I guess. Is that what you would call it? Or the start, the starting like line? Four weeks out from tomorrow. Is that right? From, well, it was a month from today. A is, month from today. Opening. This is actually a really well-timed interview. We've uh, we've just finished uh, picking all of our pieces and announcing them to the world that are going to be part of our 26.2 hours of new work. We are 
reaching out to everyone, finding out specifically what their needs are. Uh, Cause one of our goals, besides putting all this new work on stage that uh, doesn't have room or space to go up anywhere else um, is to eliminate as many barriers as possible. For many young artists in Chicago, um, they might know their story or have a good idea of what they can bring to the stage, but might not have all the skills to bring in actors that they don't know or figure out how to uh, take ownership of a space and like really fill that stage. And so we have also performance managers that we're matching up with um, our different groups of people being like, what do you need? How can we help you with that? Um, how do we make this um, the best possible storytelling endeavor um, on our stage? How did the Chicago Theater Marathon get started? So for that, we got to go back a year, actually, um, with the, the demise of Profiles Theater. Um, because as this was happening and people are having many emotional reactions, one of my first reactions was, what's going to happen to that theater space? Who's going to take it over? Um, so then I was, uh, talking with folks, including folks that are in the room being like, how do we, how do we take, uh, this community that has suffered, uh, for so long with, um, these terrible things happening behind the scenes and how do we make it more of a, an opportunity for healing and bringing folks together. And we were talking about like, what if we created a space in Chicago where we are more incentivizing folks that don't get their stories told often. So not straight, white, cisgendered men, uh, but other folks that are on the fringes or aren't being able to tell their story as a way of balancing out what had happened already. Obviously, uh, Profiles Theater is fully gone and other people have taken over that space. But we also still wanted to uh, fill that need of there are still voices out there that aren't uh, getting represented on stage. There are still people with stories that they really want to tell that aren't being heard. So what was the first step? Was it did it go from like, we need voices to let's do a marathon of theater? Uh, it kind of first started with uh, I've got a good relationship with Stradock Theater Company, and they recently got their new space at 1802 West Berenice Avenue in the North Center. And I was chatting with them at a fundraiser, and they're like, yeah, we're going to be taking it over before our season starts. We are going to be trying to fill it with other people's work. And I was like, cool. Do you have like a weird week that no one else has filled out yet? And they're like, yeah, we got this week in July. You want it? And I was like, yes. And then I like signed a contract. And then I was like, Anna, I just signed a contract for this thing. Um, here's what I'm thinking and feeling and wanting to do. Let me know if all of this sounds crazy. And it did. But it did. We did it anyway. <laughs> yeah. We were also inspired by the dearly departed Abby Hoffman died mm -hmm. for our Sins Festival. We thought that there was a desire for that kind of committed, close-knit, one day after another type of theater festival that we just thought a marathon would fulfill that. Um, but instead of... I love Abbey Fest dearly, but instead of it kind of being a very cis, white, hetero, male-dominated festival like Abbey Fest was, um, instead making sure that we are uplifting voices, as Cassandra said, that don't usually have a platform. So we get to celebrate the diversity of Chicago theater um, instead of just chilling with people that we already know. So how do we curate that? So when we when we put out the call for submissions, uh, we had three questions and we had come up with a theme of being indomitable or I am indomitable. Um, and so that was one of our questions is what about you or your art is indomitable? How would you define indomitable, Gabby? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, 
Indomitable means being unable to be conquered or squashed, I feel. Being able to rise above and go beyond what others' expectations are of you. Um, it's constantly fighting. And so a lot of our selection process was how did people answer these questions, whether about it's their own personal identity or about their work specifically. Um, and what? how do we... How do we cultivate a, a diverse festival, not only in um, people's individual identities, um, but also in the type of art that's going to be presented here? So um, we have a little flavor of everything. We have a lot of staged readings going on because it's new work. We also have a dance piece or two. We have... Um, we clowning. Have, we have clowning. It's going to be so cool. Um, yeah, it's really neat. So, so we just wanted to make sure that we were diverse about what the word theater means as well. We definitely have that range of some people who have taken pieces out of their sock drawer from years ago um, and are using this as a chance to revisit something and reframe it in a new light, especially given what's happening politically right now. And then we have people who really just are responding to what's happening around them and created this piece. And we have equity actors who have never tried writing plays before. And they're going to have some of their first work ever presented on this stage, which is really cool. Yeah, I'm a playwright myself when I'm not producing giant marathons of theater. Um, and a lot of the friends that I was talking to and trying to goad into being in the festival, it was a lot of conversations of like, what's that play that you're afraid of writing or the one that you've wanted to write, but you really haven't felt like you had the time or were ready and I'm like you're ready now <laughs> just throw it down um, one of the things that we made sure we did with our applications uh, was just have people um, tell us about their stories rather than send us scripts or um, detailed descriptions of what they're devising because again we wanted to break down even more barriers um, because we didn't want to judge people based on like where they are as a writer or their ability to um, put down the dialogue in that moment when they're applying and more about the drive of them being like this is what i want to talk about right now this is what needs to be on stage right now so yeah it has encouraged a lot more bold and daring and rough work but exciting work too were there steps in in production or planning that you since you were specifically responding to uh the profiles theater expose and creating a safe space like were there things outside of the ordinary production process that you guys thought about or considered um, one of the things that we asked that we got a lot of really positive feedback about was in our application, we said, do you um, require any accommodations in order to fully participate? And I, I personally am um, really driven by the access conversation that's happening in Chicago right now and, and really nationwide. I work front of house in two theaters and one is one of the most accessible theaters and one is the one of the least accessible theaters. And one of the things that was really important to me in this event was creating a space where no matter what needs you had, we would do whatever we could do to help you. Um, our lighting designer is someone who uses a wheelchair. And I know from the person who introduced us that she's had a lot of trouble getting work. And I felt like this was the opportunity, if, if nothing else, that this show exists to create opportunities for people like her. pretty cool because we have these 25 additional people who just want to be part of it they don't even have projects they just really want to be there and, and what, that's been really exciting what was the title you used what are those people 
not production manager performance managers yeah. yeah yeah i've never heard that title before how did you guys come up with that is that something you've used before we had a long we went conversation back and forth. they started as like ambassadors and yes. we thought of it sort of as like a, a, a <laughs> i guess i i thought of it as more like a, in the political framework of, yeah. of you are the representative of your your groups and so then it turned into artist representatives exactly so the delegate from the 12 o'clock slot would like to take the floor <laughs> yes yes pretty much and then it became performance managers which was a little i think we we shied away from calling people producers just because of of the connotations of that yeah. but they they are i mean in they're making shit happen they're making yeah. shit happen yeah and, and also, there's a lot of them i like uh saying performance manager instead of we are the producers of this because i feel like that grants um the people in the festival way more agency feeling like they still own their piece they can still make the final decisions we are just here to help facilitate that and go beyond their resources if they are running dry on something when you first got the submissions was it everything you were looking for in terms of uh, diversity of voices and styles and all of that oh yes. yeah i'd say from the very beginning when i was like okay i've got an hour let me just read a couple of these and at the end of the hour i was like i love everyone so much <laughs> like at these beautiful people and they trust me to read their stories and tell me about their lives and what they're going for and i just want to hold all of them <laughs> that sounds like a really amazing return like did you just how did you get how did you get so many responses well i mean this is an exciting opportunity right and so these people are obviously somewhat hungry for this opportunity and people who are hungry will ask for food um there's just also the fact that we asked about indomitability i think also excited folks but a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds with a lot of different artistic voices share that hunger and share that passion so i think that we were we i think we were like ringing the right dinner bells yeah and it's really exciting because we have we have like lesbian sci-fis we have oh, so historical dramas it. we have like is it a musical set in the harlem renaissance or it's a gay fantasia least, gay fantasia in the harlem we have at renaissance. least three or four live musical performances yeah, which is pretty exciting there's a solo show that has a lot of house plants involved i think another thing that helped us garner so many submissions is that everyone that we've hired to be a part of the staff the chicago theater marathon really practices what they preach and that includes being active in the chicago theater community and uh, wanting to work with diverse groups of people and wanting to break down barriers so then when we say hey we've all come together to do this project you over there would you like to join us like we've we've got a bit of clout built up we're not just randomly going out into the woods and saying follow us <laughs> yeah. we've, we've kind of cut, started cutting a path already individually and now we're coming together to clear even more forest i don't know if that metaphor got away from me but no, you're good. that was great save the trees <laughs> <laughs> were you surprised by anything that you received this year <laughs> well i mean like a lot of the things that we mentioned earlier like i didn't imagine that i couldn't predict what we were going to get a lot of things i was like oh this is gonna be we're gonna get like maybe 20 10 minute plays and we're yeah. gonna do staged readings of them all and but it was impossible to predict i mean one of the pieces that was submitted uh is something that used to be a 10 minute dance piece and now it's a 45 minute dance play and it's like yeah. how did that happen and uh, yeah i was blown away <laughs> it sounds like a lot of the things you receive couldn't there aren't a lot of other places you could submit them right you couldn't write us like a just a first person voice synopsis of like your image of it 
Yeah, I think the fact that we had so few requirements, I mean, we basically said it needs to be new and it needs to be in some way what you would define as theater. In under an hour. In under an hour. The fact that people can submit a five-minute play that they've just been thinking about, um, it it is. It's hard to find those opportunities. And I think that we, these ladies know that, like, I I preach the please don't start another theater company mantra. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. But I think we we really tapped into something here, which is really exciting. I think we we found a need, whether it has a life beyond this year or not. We, We got a lot of people to come into our space that otherwise might not have tried to so um i have one person uh, that i'm a performance manager for myself who uh just finished grad school and is like i have this play and i want to put it on stage and i'm like let's do it and she's like i have never produced anything before i'm actually going away to a retreat to learn how to produce out in new york and when i come back we're going to continue working on this but any help that you can have with that with finding a director and actors and like really making sure this all happens. I'm like, yeah, I got you, girl. We'll get this done. I want to ask, does anyone remember the first play they ever saw? Yes. I saw Beauty and the Beast on Broadway when I, it was for my fourth birthday. Um, and I was really afraid of the Wolves. The what? The Wolves. It was my four-year-old way of saying wolves. Got it. Got it. That was all I really remembered. And that I was constantly afraid that people were going to fall off the stage because I didn't understand how they stayed up and didn't fall off because it was open. <laughs> <laughs> like it was just a black hole sucking them into the audience that they were repelling at all moments. Well, they were dancing during the like Gaston thing. They're all like yeah. kind of pretending like they're falling off of the stage. And Ooh, so I was really, really sold it to you. Yeah. Um, I'll say that my first theater experience uh, was care of my dad because back in Rockford, he has a continuing education band called Old Town Band, uh, which is entirely populated by uh, people that are retired and want to go back to playing instruments. And so my dad was like, I know what music we should play, Sousa Marches. And so it's a lot of music from the turn of the last century. And he's been doing this for, I think, almost 30 years now. Um, but because his group of musicians uh, were not the most physically fit, a little a little past their peak, a little short of breath at times, um, he would tell long, elaborate jokes in between each song that they played. So it'd be like Sousa March and then like uh, clarinetist, a saxophonist and a trombonist walk into a bar. Um, and what I loved about his humor is he always found like um, sexist or racist jokes and turned them into stories about musicians being dumb. And I just love that. That was like... Being like, yeah, we can all be dumb and it doesn't matter who we are. Um, but I, I consider that a theatrical experience because it does go back to that vaudeville kind of style. That was what he was kind of creating and really pulling the audience in and being like, this is why you should care. And here's a fun little story. Um, and I say that's my first because I was born in October, early October. And two months later, he had an old town band concert and I was in the front row. I slept through the entire thing, but I was there. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what a cool introduction to theater. Um, I don't rec- recall specifically what the very first show I saw was because my mom was very good about taking us to see shows and I a lot of my schools growing up had a lot of shows that would come and perform for us and develop our character or whatever. Um, <laughs> but I do know the show that was like the nail in the coffin that I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And that was in high school as a part of the Laramie Project. 
And um, that was the first show where I was like, oh, theater is also activism. Um, and mm-hmm. so I was like, well, I want to do that. I want to help people. I, I think we can change the world this way. And being in that play was the the first time I ever felt that way, even though I was like 16 in high school, whatever. I felt like I could change my little high school audience with this true story told very theatrically. And no matter if it's a fictional play or not, they're all true stories. Okay, last question. What was the best thing you saw in Chicago theater this year? Or in the last year thereabouts? <laughs> not prepared for these questions. I know. Hard-hitting journalism. <laughs> or just something that you that you loved that moved you. Okay, I will, I will take this one and Gabby will be upset because we saw the show together, but I am claiming it. Um, we both went to Humana Fest. Oh uh, yes, oh yes. Oh yes, um, and there's a beautiful play called We're Gonna Be Okay. Okay, you can claim that one. Okay. I'll, I might claim a different one. Great, that okay. is totally fine. Um, luckily for folks that were not at Humanifest, it is going to be part of American Theatre Company's next season. Um, the, That's right, I was like, yeah. oh, I know this play. Why do I know this play? I haven't seen it. It's so good. Um, very basic premise of it is um, there are two families that live next door in like a nice, literally white picket fence neighborhood. It is uh, 1960s America. It is the weeks leading up to the Cuban Missile Crisis, so it's October. Um, one neighbor who's slightly better off than the other neighbor is trying to convince that neighbor that they should build a bomb shelter together in the backyard to protect their families together. From that point on, the play just slowly breaks down uh, classic Americana that you think of of 1950s, early 1960s of like, this is what the American family was. It's very white, it's very straight, and it's very patriarchal. And from there, they end up, uh, I won't ruin it too much, but they end up changing. They do change um, how they feel about themselves and each other and their roles in their families. I mean, the the six-year-old in me was really excited that I got to see Anastasia on Broadway this year, and I cried during the overture because it was the same music as the start of the movie, but that would be a a disingenuous answer. Um, As good as it was. It was robbed of the Tonys. It's okay that it was good, Anna. It's okay to like it. You should have won some Tonys. Um, No, but I I actually, it's hard for me to think of a, a full show, but... There's one scene that I've actually already talked about today, which is really funny because I had like the most political massage therapy appointment I've ever had in my life earlier today. Because <laughs> um, this is what happens. Is Who's like your masseuse. Let's all go. I they're all great at this. It's it's called massage. Chicago Sports Medicine, and maybe they'll give me a discount by saying that. Um, but Balls they in have... your court, guys. <laughs> Would them you like and Honda. to sponsor the Chicago Theater Marathon? <laughs> Maybe. Oh my gosh, the, uh, the sports therapy yeah. running. Oh my god, it massages so well. post marathon. We but actually, Don't guys, we should explore this. Event. Let's make a mental note to explore <laughs> talking to sports massage therapists. Can we do free massages? <laughs> oh my god, I would love. Okay, anyway, but uh, I had this. Massages. I had a great conversation with um my massage therapist, who is a black woman, and we were talking about um some of her experiences, and we talked a lot about. Um, especially with the ruling about Philando Castile and everything that's happened um, in the last week and just this idea of like who do you trust and what are the sort of preconceived notions that we have and I keep coming back to this scene that was in a play called The Wolf at the End of the Block um, which was Ike Coulter right Mm -hmm. Um, and Ike's play and and Ike is also a big uh, shy tech he, he created it? Yeah, he's yeah. one of the founders. Um, and so he's obviously paying a lot of attention to this conversation. And um, in this one scene between a, a black business owner and a white cop, 
um, where neither has ever met before. They've never met each other before and both have these like very apparent preconceived notions about each other and you don't know whether the white cop is the same white cop who might have beaten up the guy's friend earlier in the play and you have to kind of spend this whole scene watching this incredibly intense back and forth and it it was just easily one of the best scenes i've seen on stage in a really long time um and coming out of a a new work and in a small space and um the actors just handled it so elegantly um that the beauty of it was coming out of it and still really not knowing what was going on or who was responsible and i think that's something that we face on a daily basis is you know we've we've definitely all had our moments of making assumptions about other people and if you say you've never done it then i think you're lying um it's whether it's what you choose to do with those assumptions afterwards and whether you sort of recognize them and you recognize being called out for having those assumptions. And um, so I, I, just, I think about that scene constantly. So I, I love that I got to talk about it twice today. Mm. That's awesome. Um, I have. Oh, so I will say there's a show that I saw with Cassandra at Humana Festival um, that really resonated with me personally. It's called Recent Alien Abductions. Um and for those of you listening who don't know me personally, um, I am half Puerto Rican. And um, as someone who is white passing and who grew up uh, with a very whitewashed um, culture almost, um, it, I, uh, there's this weird disconnect that you feel as a half Puerto Rican person, there's a weird disconnect that you feel as an actual, like as an actual, as if I am not actually Puerto Rican. Uh, But it's that feeling you've talked about. Right. There's like this disconnect that Puerto Ricans have anyway, because it's like, we're technically citizens of the United States, but we don't have the same rights um, all the time. You know, like it's just this weird limbo, especially with what's going on with the, with the monetary crisis and stuff, it is, it's hard being Puerto Rican. And so this play, Recent Alien Abductions, is about um, a, a Puerto Rican family. Uh, the youngest son is a writer. And the play starts off with like a 40-minute monologue, maybe. I don't know. It's a very long monologue. And it's just him on stage. And it's him talking about this conspiracy theory he has about the one episode of the x-files that was set in puerto rico um which i have seen (laughs) and um he talks about how there's a conspiracy he brings up all these different details for instance uh the there's a teenager that shows up to help Mulder in in whatever he's investigating and this teenager who's supposed to be a puerto rican teenager speaks with a Mexican accent. Um, And the character, um, very uh, naively in my opinion, attributes it to there being some other alternative plot. Um, Me, I know that it's just casting people in the early 90s thinking that all Latinx people are the same. Um, So that was, that whole monologue was really interesting to me because of I love the X-Files, um, right? Let's do an X-Files podcast. Yes, please. <laughs> um, but also like that that disconnect and that weird conspiracy and like there there feels like there's some sort of ulterior motive. And as the play is going on, we discover, um, I don't want to spoil this too much either because everybody should either read it or see it. I know I want to direct it. So um, hit me up if you want to produce it. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, we find out that there 
uh, there's some trouble on the home front yeah. in Puerto Rico that he's fled. Yes, that there's like there's um, something that makes himself feel alien within his own family or makes it seem to him that his family is alien. That there's a conspiracy against him himself in his own family. Exactly. And and so it's it's just so heartbreaking and so great. And the scene structure is really amazing. And um, all the actors that I saw at Actors Theatre Louisville were incredible. Uh, I have to go on this tangent because I just have to say it. What I found really ironic watching this opening monologue about this Puerto Rican man talking about uh, an, a Mexican actor playing a Puerto Rican was that the man who was playing uh, this Puerto Rican character was not Puerto Rican. He was um, he was of Asian descent, and half of the cast was Asian. And it, it was just really frustrating to me because there are Asian Puerto Ricans, don't get me wrong, but especially when you have a whole monologue that that really hinges on this specific part of identity, oh, I was just like, that made me feel alien too. And I don't know if the casting person, I'm sure the casting person is a very intelligent person, but I'm not sure if they made that conscious decision. And I'm not sure if that's a part of the script. But it was something that like, I as a Latinx person felt really hard. And I'm like, what am I supposed to believe in this place? So that yeah. that's why I want to give it the benefit of the doubt, because it made me feel that way. But I know. I know it's the same discussion of why that teenager spoke with a Mexican accent, which is really frustrating. There are people of color out there and people of color are not all the same. Yeah. One of the critiques that um, often is heard of like, why didn't you cast a proper person of color in this part is this claim that there's not the talent out there. And if there is talent out there, it's too raw. It hasn't has the experience, but then it becomes that catch 22 of, well, you're too raw. So you're not going to get the experience. <sighs> So Chicago Theater Marathon, again, is about giving people room to have experience mm -hmm. and be raw now and do what they need to do and become better artists in the process and be exposed and have people be aware that they do exist and do have stories to tell. We exist. People exist in Chicago. <laughs> like you don't. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It just drives me nuts. You there are so many identities in this city. There's no need to whitewash in this city. There's no need to sizzwash in this city. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, it always floors me how limited we, our imaginations are sometimes when it comes to casting. When making theater is all about expanding not only our own imaginations, but the imaginations of our audience. Oh my gosh, do you guys have absolutely anything else you want to talk about? I'm like vibrating from passion right now. <laughs> I'm so glad. Definitely include that. <laughs> Gabby is you vibrating. You can use all of my random things. You can use them. I was going to say when you asked earlier about what do we hope the audiences are going to get out of this, and I think one of the words we've used a lot is surprise. I think we're really, it, it ties into what Cassandra said, but I think the idea that you could choose to spend an hour with us, three hours with us, 26.2 hours with us, and you will be surprised. Um, it was one of the elements of Abbey Fest that we really wanted to hold on to was, you know, if you really want to camp out and go on a journey with us, we're going to give you a journey. Um, something that I find really neat, too, is Anna put together this magic word 
what is it called? What would, word, what, you call it a poster. word poster? Yeah. <laughs> it's a word cloud. A word cloud. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. It is our it is our poster. It is like one of our promotional you can images. Download it from the website. Yeah, and it's so cool because she took all of the submission form, like everybody's answers for the entire submission, and put it into a word cloud generator, and, it, and that makes the shape of our logo the stopwatch logo that kind of looks like an excited person in the center and (laughs) it looks like he's saying that or g i'm gonna say g because it's genderless or gender neutral um and uh the word cloud is so exciting because you can put together like little poems as you see these words next to each other some of the words are obviously bigger because they're used more and and one of the ones that besides indomitable was hope like right yeah. in the center really big is hope i think that that's so exciting because wow what a gift if if we can give that to other artists if we can give that to our audience members through this marathon that's so neat and what yeah. was the smallest word yeah my my favorite part of it is actually that way down like the tip of the logo and the tiniest point is just the word invisible and mm. you really have to it's it's a cool graphic and and I hope people will go on and actually download it and explore it because there's I think something like 700 words um it doesn't look like that when you first open it but you can really like zoom all the way in and and look all around it and find all these different words but but that's my favorite part I just because clearly it was maybe one two people um who said it and so it kind of became the tiniest little part but it's kind of perfect yeah and I and I I know I don't hope. I know that the festival is going to be like that word cloud. Like, I know there are going to be words that stick out to other people or feelings that stick out to other people, but you're going to be hit with a lot of diversity and different feelings and stuff and come away and with some, some really challenging big feelings. Work. Yeah, really challenging work. It's, it's the funniest shit pieces. There's some yeah, like there's... crazy ones. Like, there's one that's just two Southern women uh, throwing shade at, shade at each other until a whole tears in the space-time continuum like it's i don't want this to sound like you are going to come to the chicago theater marathon and only get a lesson and be lectured to for 26.2 hours this is a celebration this is uh an exaltation this is I don't know any other words that end in shun to finish that it would have been perfect uh it's gonna be messy and it's gonna be wonderful yeah. And there will be houseplants. There will be so many houseplants. Feel free to bring your own houseplant. <laughs> oh, and when... marshmallows. And oh, yeah, marshmallows. marshmallows. Wait, what kinds of One of the places, has, it's a restaurant that only serves marshmallows oh, in plastic yes. cups. Yes. This sounds amazing. <laughs> I'm super excited. Thank you guys so, so much for coming and talking with me. Of course. Thanks Thank for having you. us. Thank you very much. Thank you again to Anna, Gabby, and Cassandra for coming by to chat with me. I had an awesome time. If you want to learn even more about the Chicago Theater Marathon, perhaps where you can get tickets, we will have links to that on our show page. If you have any questions, comments, or rants about this episode, you can email spielchicago at gmail.com. That's S-P-I-E-L, Chicago. If you happen to be in Chicago looking to see some amazing or terrifying or heart-wrenching or hilarious theater this season go to spielchicago.com and check out my article feminist theater watch 2017-18 it is a list of work by women and genderqueer people coming up this season and there is a huge diversity of styles and voices it's actually a little something for everybody so please go check it out and treat yourself to some really great art thanks again for listening and i'll see you at the theater i was obsessed with as a kid there was this like, there was this recorded 
recording of a play of Peter Pan. And I don't even think it was like a major theater. It wasn't, but I was obsessed. I loved that. Is it Kathy Rigby? So much. Oh, I think mm. I saw that one. It was at Blockbuster. So I'm sure yeah. like we probably <gasps> yeah, all watched it Kathy Rigby. a hundred times. Yep. I watched that. I made my dad rent it over and over. That scene where, uh, where Captain Hook is like, are you an animal, vegetable, or mineral? And then are like, are you a woman? And she just becomes a woman for a scene informs a lot of my sexuality. <laughs> <laughs>